0: Reading is taken from the 19th chapter of Luke beginning at verse 28 that is page 1054 in the church bibles Now Luke 19 verse 28 <clears throat> After Jesus had said this he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, And bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Well, let's
1: think about the passage that has been read to us, this passage of a very familiar story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. One of the things I believe is important at the beginning is to state, of course, Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. We know at the age of 12, he was in Jerusalem and he found himself in the temple as a 12-year-old teaching people far older than himself what the Word of God was really all about. And there were probably other times when Jesus came to Jerusalem, but this time clearly was very different. I guess that uh, if you've been working in a particular situation for many years and you come to that last day although you've been in the place, sat at the desk, whatever, when you know that you're not going to come anymore, that must be quite salutary. There are obviously times of great sadness where we know that something is coming to an end. And for Jesus entering Jerusalem at this time, he was well aware of what was going to happen. And yet he still went. And one of the things that the passage teaches us is that the Lord Jesus went, and he was very much prepared for this. We know that a lot of people, and a lot of the events, uh, people didn't have a clue that they were going to happen. But even the, the donkey, even the colt that Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem on, there's already evidently been some preparation. When they uh, are sent to get it, uh, they have the password, so to speak. The Lord has need of it. And when that is said, it's just released. And uh, there's no great discussion, there's no argument. When they hear those words, the Lord has need of it, that was enough. They knew sufficient to say, yes, you may take it. And of course, that's always important for us as well, isn't it? To recognize that amazingly, the Lord has need of us. And when he calls us, we must make ourselves immediately available and uh, not make excuses and arguments. But if the Lord has need of us, as we read so many times in the Bible, it's important to be in that place where we say, Lord, here am I. I am willing. Now, we don't have to be a donkey. We can be ourselves, but we must be available. And we must have that uh, sense in our hearts that if he needs us, we may question that sometimes, how does he need me? But he does need us. He's looking to us to play our part in the ministry that is still unfolding today up until the time when he returns. So we see that Jesus is going knowing it's the last time And we also see that Jesus is going and he is personally prepared for what's going to happen. What happens with the disciples, of course, is that they perhaps have another agenda in mind at this point. They are so thrilled that Jesus is going into Jerusalem, the capital city. And uh, as far as they're concerned, they know he's the king. And they, even though they've been warned by Jesus more than once... Uh, they don't really take in how this week is going to end. For them, the sense of celebration, the sense of announcing that Jesus is king is ever so important. And one of the things we read when you look at uh, all of the Gospels commentating on this story, we know that we hear about branches of palms being placed upon the path that Jesus is going to travel on, And here we also have the mention of the cloaks which are thrown down like a a red carpet set out that Jesus is going to enter on. And uh, we know that there are parts of the world where, again, people make great preparations in order that the person who they respect and honor will be well received. And uh, if you go to a place, for instance, the Congo, and you're a speaker at a conference, I was saying this in the earlier service, that uh, they take off uh, robes, gowns, and put them on the floor, and uh, it's very obvious that you've got to walk on them. Which, of course, instinctively, as an Englishman, you think, I must have walk on people's clothes. But uh, that is their way of respecting you, and they expect you to tread that path and uh, to walk over the clothes which they have put as a way of saying, we honor you, we want you here, we are looking forward to hearing what you have to say. I'm not disappointed, of course, that there wasn't any garments laid out this morning as I came in, that's no problem. I know your welcome is very real without that. But it is important, isn't it, just again to see that the disciples in their hearts are saying, this is great, this is wonderful, this is exciting, this is special, this is almost a moment we've been waiting for. However, we know and we've said and we're reminded time and time again, Jesus knew ultimately where this was heading. Now, there is a lot of noise. Uh, One of the uh, key elements of this story and many stories in the Bible is always the mixture of emotion. There is great joy, celebration, shouting. But we know that the passage that uh, David read to us ends with that very, very different emotion of tears and weeping. But let's just think about the rejoicing just for a moment and uh, just this way in which they declare their acknowledgement of who Jesus is and their praise of him. They read, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Although I don't think they always understood exactly what they were saying, and sometimes we don't. But obviously what's in their hearts is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. You know, the Jews were looking for a Messiah. They'd been looking for a long time. And uh, there were all sorts of questions about it. And some, it was so long that they'd almost forgotten about it. And we know that tragically, and again it comes out in this story, is that even when Jesus did come, there were a number of people who weren't prepared to recognize and identify him as the Messiah. But the disciples, we don't know exactly how many. Uh, we know there were 12 disciples, but we don't know how big this crowd was around him at this time. But they were, they were caught up in acknowledging Jesus is the King. He is the Messiah. Now, at this point, there are people in the crowd who are not at all happy about what is happening. They don't like this whole sense of Jesus being acknowledged in such an exuberant and um, very, very big way. And they say, Master, you, you should just tell your disciples to keep quiet. Now, they may have all sorts of reasons for that. Certainly one of the reasons was that they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But they also were aware of the political situation. They knew about the Romans. They didn't feel that it was appropriate for the Romans to be attracted, Roman soldiers to be attracted to the scene. And God knows what might happen out of that. But essentially, it's an angry attitude. It's a bitter attitude. It's a resentful attitude. It's an attitude which is saying, we don't really want this. And we don't really feel very impressed about you honoring Jesus in this way. And Jesus comes with the words, which again, perhaps some of you are very familiar with. He says, if I told them to keep quiet, even the stones would cry out. Again, interesting that he says stones, because later in his lament, in his weeping, he's going to talk about stones that are going to be broken. The temple wall coming down, stones scattered everywhere. But here at this point, he's talking about the stones would cry out and declare who he was. That's quite a remarkable thing to say. But it certainly says that when men don't praise God, when we don't acknowledge who he is, when we're not prepared to give him the glory that he deserves, the creation does. The wonder of creation, the wonder of all that God has made, even in a fallen world, leaps out to praise him and to acknowledge him. Even the stones would cry out. And so Jesus continues on the journey. And he comes to a point, remember he's coming into Jerusalem, he comes to a point where you could look out and see a considerable area of the city. I did have the privilege a couple of years ago of going to Israel and to stand roughly at the place where Jesus would have stood, looking out at the city. And it's at this point that having had this joyful entry, this uh, incredible praise, this wonderful worship and acknowledgement, it's at this point that uh, the emotion changes quite dramatically. And we read, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept. Now, it's important to notice and to be aware that Jesus was not somebody, you know, who had his heart on his sleeve and was weeping at any and every moment. I'm not condemning that, of course, but we, we recognize some people are just very emotional. Uh, some people can get very emotional about very ordinary things. There are certain films that I uh, like to watch in one way, but I know I'm likely to find tears welling up as I watch it. Maybe some quite silly things. But uh, there are others, of course, whose emotions really come to the surface. And you wonder if they've got any emotion in them at all. But Jesus had true, genuine emotion. It wasn't something that just spilled out at every moment. But when it did spill out, you know it was significant. We know, of course, how when Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus, and when he sees the tears of Mary and Martha, he also is moved to tears. Jesus sympathizes with us. Maybe as you come into the house of God today and as you're coming to an Easter time, perhaps there's sadness in your heart. Perhaps there are things that you're handling that you're finding very, very difficult. Maybe when other people don't even know, you're finding yourself may be quietly shedding some tears. There is comfort for you today in the Lord Jesus Christ. He understands us very well. In his humanity, he sympathizes with our weaknesses, and he is incredibly aware of what touches our lives. When he was at the tomb of Lazarus, he wept. Now, he didn't weep in despair. He never wept in despair, because he is God. He's in control, which is, again, the mystery of it all, Uh, how he could cry and yet he knew what would happen and he was going to see ultimate victory. But what it shows us, if it shows us nothing else, is his incredible ability to identify with us in our weakness and in our emotions. We know after this event he's going to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and there the full weight of what it means to go to the cross is going to come upon him big time. It is going to be so, so powerful, the sense of all of the physical suffering that he's going to endure. But I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was also aware of the spiritual suffering that he was about to endure. Remember when we read the Gospels and when we read the uh, way in which he was treated, it is incredibly moving. The way that his face was beaten so much that he was hardly recognizable. The way that they mocked him and spat upon him. The way they pressed the crown of thorns upon him. The way that they whipped him and scourged him. The way that they nailed him to the cross. But we believe that in the heart of Jesus was also a realization of a pain and a suffering that far surpassed anything that people were going to do to him physically that he was going to take our sin and that our disobedience, our rebellion, he was going to take that all upon himself. And Jesus wept. But here at this moment of time, this event, as it were, in the middle, he's left Bethany, which is where Mary, uh, Martha and Lazarus lived. He's now in the city, He will go to the Garden of Gethsemane. But here at the city, he looks out over Jerusalem. And the Bible says Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He knew what was going to happen. He was not deceived at all by the praises and the worship of the disciples. Of course, he appreciated their recognition again. Of who he really was. But he knew that there was going to come. A time of great destruction to Jerusalem. And to many of the people of Jerusalem. And he knew that was going to come. Because of their. Rebellion. Their disobedience. Their unwillingness. To accept who he was. And what God wanted for them. And. As these tears fall, Jesus says some words that are very powerful. He says, You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You know, in life, there are times when the Lord is speaking to us. I believe in the lifetime of every person, there will be a moment when there will be a sense that God is speaking. We could choose to ignore that. We can refuse that. We can be stubborn about that. But there is a time when the Lord is wanting to call us to himself, to own up to our sin, to own up to the fact that we need him, to own up to the fact that life without him is a life that will ultimately end in judgment and destruction. That's not because God doesn't love us. It's the opposite. He loves us so much and wants us to avoid that time. This is why he sent Jesus to die for us. This is incredible love. He didn't send a representative. He came himself to go to the cross for us. But the time comes... When Jesus calls, will you give your life to me? Will you stop being independent, selfish, and having your own agenda? And will you acknowledge that I am your savior and that today you will respond to me? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There's no promise about tomorrow. Jesus said, don't think about tomorrow. Sufficient today uh, is what's going on. You don't need to think too far ahead. But he's not saying that in a threatening way, in a bullying way. It's simply the reality. Life is uncertain. Moments come, moments go. But here for these people, so many... Even if they joined in the praises, they're going to soon be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus weeps because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Today is a wonderful day of opportunity to say, today I recognize who Jesus is. You don't have to know everything about who he is, but if there's that glimmer in your heart saying, He is the Christ. This story is not just a story. It's not just run out every year for the sake of it. This is a genuine event that happened. And I am part of it because he did this for me. Maybe just bow our heads for a moment. And uh, we're just going to think about this just for a second or two. And this morning, as you close your eyes and bow your heads, perhaps a very great number of you, we're humbled to say, thank you, Lord, for the day that you opened my eyes to recognize who you were, why you came. We're so, so grateful. Once we were blind, once we didn't see it, once it was just a story but there was a day for so many of us where we said thank you Jesus you died for me this morning if you perhaps for the first time have that sense in your heart I see this is for me Jesus came for me I would just invite you to just lift your hand if you want to acknowledge for the first time, Jesus came for me. I will not be asking you to come to the front, but it would be so good to make that first step. Today, I acknowledge Jesus came for me. And if for the first time you want to do that, you can just lift your hand now, and the Lord Jesus wants to come. And make himself real to you. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we realize to recognize who you are is hope and peace and joy for us, but to stubbornly reject you, we also see, is foolish and inviting judgment. Thank you that you came. You came into Jerusalem. You did later go to the cross. Jesus, just come and minister to each of us today. Let our voices be raised in praise again today for you.